0: people out there project nerd networks this is infinite spaghetti your one-stop shopping place for cosplay in the creative universe this is infinite spaghetti a guided tour of the cosplay and creative archives with your host ethan minsker part of the project nerd podcast network this is episode five on today's show we will be talking to a filmmaker, musician, artist, Jordan Goth. You might notice on today's episode, we are green screening. There is a specific reason for that. A lot of his artwork and films use this green screen. With today's episode, we're hoping that there might be something useful. The people and the viewers out there, I didn't want them like eyeballs freaking out or imploding because of the green, we're doing this on purpose. It's not a mistake. I would like to explain how we first met. I was at a film festival in Indianapolis, Indie Film Fest. Indie Film Fest. During the festival, there was all this buzz. All these people were talking about, like you gotta check out dinosaurs in a mining facility. This is
1: a mining facility, correct? As far as the public and the employees are concerned, that's all it is. Bringing in more employees here is just piling up more bodies. If, when they see what's down in that mine, we can't let them walk out of there. I'm here for the, the job. Just gotta remember three things. Keep your head down. Keep your mouth shut. Don't ask any questions. What does a company like Waymo want with a mining facility? I mean, what the hell are they mining down there? There's something else going on. Around the offices, the higher ups are some next level cult shit. Real Alistair Crowley, Children of the Corn type stuff. Did you hear that? You're hearing things. Yeah, I have been hearing things down here. Dinosaur things. think there's dinosaurs in the mining facility. There are dinosaurs in that mining facility. Don't you know that there are dinosaurs in this mining facility? Nobody told me there was dinosaurs in this mining facility! There's dinosaurs in the mining facility. Dinosaurs? In the mining facility? Facility. Shit. Knock, knock. Who's there? Chain. Chain who? Chainsaw.
0: So I didn't know what to expect. I watched the trailer and I'm like, wow, this is such a weird thing. Like, it's very, like, zero-budget filmmaking, and he basically took a lot of free dinosaurs that you can download places, and and he'll explain this better, and with green screen stuff, like, made this entire feature film. Now, what's unique about this film, and a lot of people would give him credit for the amazing job he did with blending the green screen and the low-budget thing, but what I gotta say that is most impressive about this film is that the writing, he is an amazing storyteller, The film has gone on to play a bunch of festivals, won a bunch of awards. The film has done all these amazing things. It's coming back around because he's getting ready to make it come out on a Blu-ray. So we thought we would do this special episode on the filmmaking, how you can make something crafty by just pulling whatever you got, the people together, locations and making a film.
1: Well, I'm a no budget filmmaker and a musician and a monster enthusiast and an extra dimensional entity posing as a drummer and i'm also a janitor at a library in my uh in my real life
0: you're a janitor in the local library
1: i do videos now for them because when COVID hit they had to all of a sudden pivot to video programming because we couldn't do any in-house programming so then they snuck up and said hey I know how to do after effects and video editing. And eventually I found out that since it's for the library, I could get some more uh, gear and stuff on through the library because other people would be using it too. been great because, you know, if if we have an episode that deals with uh, sci fi elements or something like that, I can build stuff through the library during my shift and then use it for the library. So technically it's a library thing, but then I can turn around and save it and keep it for my own projects, which has been a pretty cool loophole.
0: People who are listening to this as an audio file. We also make a video that is put on the Project Nerd channels. It's a YouTube video. So if you want to see some of this craziness, don't be shy. Go on over to the YouTube or go to Project Nerd's main site and you'll see it.
1: Well, the original idea came from my brother and the co star of the film, Jacob Stevens, um, years before we shot the movie, Uh, Up All Night Things in Middle School. But we just had one of those little flip. USB cameras and they came up with the idea, like the title, the basic idea of dinosaurs in a mining facility. Years later, when I had a pirated copy of After Effects, I said, you know, it'd be kind of fun to just go back and remake that trailer. We shot the first scene. We liked how it turned out. So we're like, oh, let's do another scene. And we kind of still thought it was a trailer for a while. And then after the first two or three, we were like, I think we're making a feature film. I don't think anyone else really thought it was actually going to get finished until it was finished (laughs) we just kept going and then i sat down and wrote an outline and i did what i do which is take a really simple and pure unadulterated idea and then just shoehorn a bunch of aliens and uh occult elements like mythology into it to to keep myself uh, entertained the entire film took five years to make during all those times where we weren't shooting i was i would start editing so the entire time we were shooting From like the first five minutes, I always had a working cut of the movie where I had everything we had shot up to that point, edited in with temporary music and sometimes temporary effects. I thought that was helpful because I could always show people what we had so far instead of just asking them to do something in my garage without them knowing what it is or that it was actually gonna be a thing. Basically confirmation that they're not completely wasting their time. Plus it kind of helped with the morale and it helped from you know my work ethic to be able to look at what I was doing and kind of have an idea of how it was gonna be. I was like, oh, it's gonna be like this, but better because we're gonna keep adding things and tweaking things, which we did for five years. Explain to the audience how you got most of the dinosaur stuff. Yeah, if you just YouTube green screen dinosaur, you'll have a ton of results. And a lot of them are these like loop walk cycles, which will just be, you know, various angles of the same dinosaur, you know, running at this 45 degree angle or straight on or from behind. And that'll be that video, you know, in like 20 second intervals or whatever it is. And so I would just use a YouTube downloader website and create this uh, folder of just all these different dinosaurs on green screens. I mean, I would have loved to have done it myself, but at the time I didn't know about Blender, which is freeware and amazing. I'm starting to mess with that now. By the time I would have figured out how to do it, you know, we could have made the whole movie. And I also just didn't think that I would be able to. Certain charm to that sort of repetitive, hypnotic uh <laughs> walk cycle. And seeing it like comped to the best of my ability in- into something, like probably more than that kind of footage is normally comped into something. I feel like there's a certain thing like exciting angle to that. Even th- the sound effects and like a lot of the th- the images that were used for backdrops were just taken. Open source, free stuff online. The scene where the two miners are talking to each other in the mine, there's like that backdrop is just one big image that I would crop in. Okay, in this sh- in this shot, I'm gonna crop and use this bottom left half of it, and then I'm gonna use the bottom right half of it, and then I'm gonna take the whole thing and flip it horizontal for this one, and blur it when it's their close up. You can get a lot of mileage out of just one image being used. A bunch of times for the same scene. Then we would try to, at first we weren't, but I I had a friend who I would show it to them. He's like a photographer, Jeff Lyon, try to match the lighting in the images that we were using. So I'd show, show him what we were using beforehand. Then he'd be like, well, the light's coming from this angle. So I'll set up this light from here to try to make it integrate better, which helped out a lot. You can kind of tell which scenes we did that and which ones we didn't. Yeah, hopefully people will just yeah, be so involved in the movie that they won't really be thinking about that stuff.
0: A lot of the people you use, your your brother's in it?
1: Yeah, my brother's the star. And then his best friend, who's also one of my great friends, is a, the, uh, the co-star.
0: People within your friends circle.
1: Well, I think at first we didn't really realize that we were making a feature film, so I wouldn't have asked actors to help with it. So then by the time that we realized we were doing it, we already had most of the things cast. It's just nice... To have people that know each other on set together because then there's that removes a lot of the nerve elements when you're working with non actors. I would just do a lot of takes. So, you know, because people get more comfortable as they're going and stuff. And sometimes I'd watch all the takes and I'd be like, I can't believe these two different takes came from that same actor. But that's kind of the beauty of being able to wrangle things and comp things. Sometimes I'd use like, I'll use the audio bit from this take with the visual bit from this take because I like the expression and the audio more. And I would just uh, sort of Frankenstein stuff together, which is a fun way to do it. There's something nice about having just real people, because I think I'd rather have someone underacting than overacting in a lot of ways. And then but if I need them to overact, I can try to wrangle that out of them. If we have legitimate actors who have been around, you know, real directors, it was nice that we were all on the same page, like it was everyone's first time doing this thing. So like, no one felt like they were lesser than or being condescended to because we were all kind of just like grabbing for things in the dark, trying to, to figure out what we were doing.
0: To be clear to the to the audience, after I saw this, I immediately went up to him and was like, when are you going to put me in your next film? And yeah. Kind of green screen and me collecting lots well, that's of green the dream too.
1: We always talked about that. We said, oh, when we finish our first feature, people will see that we actually are able to finish something. Hopefully they'll be more willing to get involved with it and we won't have to beg people. Because I remember having like friends say they were going to show up to shoot things and then you know at the last minute i finally get a response from them that they can't and then i just have to see who's around luckily that worked out for the best in most cases i mean in all cases on this movie i was really happy with how everything came up came together there's a lot of uh, luck involved with that sort of thing <laughs> either luck or you have to do like 20 more takes to get a good performance out of somebody which i didn't have to do which was Pretty nice.
0: People who are watching this or listening to the podcast are probably going to immediately go like, where can we see this? But right now it's not available anywhere. Let's get into the DVD and like what you're planning, sorry, Blu-ray. There's a big difference (laughs) here.
1: It should be released in like May. And if they follow our various social media pages and keep an eye out there, there'll be an announcement in the very near future. You can see in the lower third down here, that's the Instagram for our filmmaking, that same Jamble Vision. There's also a Facebook page, but uh, I'm more active on the Dinosaurs in a Mining Facility page. And then if you follow me, you'll see stuff from all of my various projects, sort of getting all that together. I've been spending the last couple of months combing through just mountains of footage from when we shot. It's all the in-camera stuff. We didn't have anyone documenting things behind the scenes, but. There are times. I mean, we left the camera rolling a lot of the time, so I'll step in front of the camera and be directing somebody. So I'm trying to find those little gold nuggets throughout, edit them together with uh, new interviews I'm doing, and. Stuff people are sending me. And then I'll, I'll most likely be getting it up elsewhere online for people that aren't into the physical media thing like I am. Yeah, Who yeah. is the
0: guy doing the Blu-ray and how did that come about?
1: He has his own label, runs out of his apartment called Gold Ninja Video. Gold Ninja Video out yeah. of Toronto! Justin DeClue, who runs that, uh, has a great podcast called The Important Cinema Club podcast that I've been listening to a ton. So go check that out and go check out Gold Ninja Video. He does all the stuff himself and he, I think they like the pride part of it is there's a ton of extras. He does his own commentaries for everything. It started out as sort of like finding the best versions of public domain movies that have been kind of lost to time. And then so it's he thought like, you know, the the film on its own maybe isn't enough to warrant people buying the physical media version. But if we just pack it full of extras and have people sort of do analysis of it and extra context for the films, then that would be a cool thing, worthwhile thing to do. Over time, he eventually started a section of his label called Director's Cult, where he works with the filmmakers on putting out like the definitive ultimate version of that specific film. It all kind of happened because my friend Adam Riot Thorne, who is part of the Eyesore Screening Collective in Toronto, he, he does like a festival called the Terrible Two-Day Festival. And I think he just goes on Instagram and follows hashtag B movies, hashtag no, no budget sci-fi, all that stuff like I do. And so he just randomly saw my trailer or a poster or something and liked it. So seeing the opportunity, I immediately messaged him a link to the film i was also just like whether or not he reviews it or watches it it'd just be nice for somebody else who's into this kind of stuff to see it yeah he responded because we were both up at 3 a.m because we're both night owls so we started exchanging links and he sent me two of his films and then we just kept talking yeah he ended up screening it yeah all these great people have their sort of offshoots like there's the eyesore screening collective but then adam has his riot at the movies thing and then our friend mike has his they might be movies thing and since COVID hit the whole time i've been doing live streams with all these toronto people where we all just watch b movies and and weird oddities and we and just that's, that's chat the together. eyesore video people yeah. right and that's yeah that's just that's kept me sane this whole time that was an extra benefit look
0: the eyesore people are watching this i believe you have a couple of my uh, dvds up there the this is berlin anything boys can do and dolls of Lisbon. screen those to people like put that stuff out there too shout out for me please thank you you know there's this whole concept of like all the people that i've interviewed it's like how you're just making stuff out of scratch, just doing it. And the process of doing it, not only you get something done, but you're building a community while you're working. You're making something that is going to last and that is going to inspire others.
1: I've been drumming since like third grade. So one thing about being a drummer is there's not nearly as many of us as there are guitarists, so every band wants you to be in their band, which has been great for me because I get to stay busy playing in a lot of bands and going on a lot of tours and things like that. My main project, project as far as music is a band called The Yugos that my brother and I started with our friend Jackson Deal, who's also in the movie. I think like over ten years ago now. We had our ten year anniversary, it was our new New Year's show pre COVID. So yeah, we gotta be going on like almost a dozen years at this point. I was working on recording an album before COVID hit. Me and the engineer for that, waiting it out. I recorded a song, actually the guy plays pulled one arm in the film. He also did the end title music, not the not the theme song that says the title of the film a bunch of times, but the, the, the song before that. He's got his own label and stuff, and he's like incredible. And then my brother, who's all the front man of the Yugos, has another electronic project with his wife called Moonbow, which is spelled like the French bow.
0: And, and you guys did a lot of the soundtrack for your own film, not just the end titles.
1: Jackson Deal, who's in the Yukos with me, and I did most of the music for that. And then I had a couple friends uh, send me little bits and bobs. They'd be like, hey, can you send me a five-minute just dark guitar drone that's kind of scary. I would would kind of like, okay, my friend does something sort of like what I'm going for, so I send them like a short description of what I wanted and then they would record something and send it. I think the vast majority of it is Jackson and I. I did a lot of sort of just like droney sound design stuff for the more suspenseful parts. Anything that's like super musical is Jackson. He's like, he's the music theory guy in our band. Like he went to a CCM for music composition, I think. And he's like, he's the guy who's always telling us what we're doing wrong in the band. So like, you need to be playing this note that doesn't go with that. And yeah, he's the one who knows what he's doing. But We've all got the creativity to just do it anyway, which is fun.
0: Your music background in that do it yourself mentality of bands is what carried over to the film. If we can make music, we can make a movie, we could literally just do anything. Can you draw connections to those two things?
1: I'm, I'm in Latonia, which is in Northern Kentucky. Yes, yeah, so we're Northern Kentucky, like just south of Cincinnati. So it's kind of great because like we get the nature and the sort of isolation that we want in Northern Kentucky, but then for culture and like shows and seeing our friends' bands play and doing screenings of our film, Something, something in the month of May. Everything's always
0: coming. My
1: way. You know, it's just a short 20, 30 minute drive across the bridge to go do that stuff when we're able to do it again. Been really uh, lucky to have sort of a best of both worlds life, which has been great because I see a lot of. Films that are like they use the resources and the actors and stuff that they have, having a community in the city, but they don't have a lot of the locations that we have. The scene where they first go through the portal are sort of on that desert world like that was a construction site. The reason it looks like that is because people have been, you know, bulldozing and stuff, getting ready to build something right next to my old high school. So I saw that one day, drove past it. And I was like, that looks like a desert space scape. We need to go throw on our painter suits and motorcycle helmets and go film as much as we can there before people notice we're there. And we got all that stuff. I don't really mind uh, when continuity errors come up. I try to avoid them, but if they happen, they happen. And it's, it's part of the uh, reality of having little to no crew a lot of the time and, and sort of working with what you have. Yeah, I definitely think the DIY, being a musician and and playing shows at House Spaces and stuff like that, definitely that whole mentality taught me a lot early on before filmmaking about what filmmaking was going to be, which is that sort of Muppets, (laughs) Muppet show, sort of like chaos of putting on a show and and wrangling people and and just trying to keep up the uh, morale and enthusiasm for what you're doing and make it as contagious as humanly possible. So that everyone can be part of something that we're happy with and excited about. Because, you know, I hate to see people, including myself just that have a bunch of potential and creative energy that are either not being given the opportunity to do anything with it or are too scared to do something with it because they don't have a a bunch of other people around them who are acting dumb. Like I don't drink, but if I go out and everyone else is drunk and acting stupid, I feel like it gives me the freedom to be as stupid as I am when I'm at home by myself and not worry about it. So I'm kind of trying to like bring that same sort of (laughs) mentality to filmmaking. (laughs) We spent a lot of time putting together little promo videos and images and stuff and, like, really... I put probably half as much work almost as I did making the film into the premiere. So we ended up having, like, 150 people, which which for us, having coming from doing no previous films was, like, a big thing. It was also the capacity of the theater, so I think there's a, a limited audience sometimes for things that don't look super polished. I had this thing when I was making it where it's like... A- you don't want to talk about it publicly or with people like acquaintances too much because you, you don't want, you don't know how long it's going to take. And for me, it's like when I have a project, when, when people are being nice and they ask, oh, how that, how's that thing going? I just get this like sort of neurosis where it's like, I, I want to wait till it's formed and like presented to the world. instead. Well, also, of, it's like you get this like, you don't care. You really don't care. You know, you're asking, but you don't, don't patronize care. me secondly yeah. I always
0: get the like I don't really want to talk about it too much till it's done because I know you don't believe I'm gonna finish it I'd rather surprise you and have it finished
1: yeah it's also just a great feeling to just you feel like you're I mean I, I take what I do super seriously but it's also kind of nice to just it's almost like a prank to be like hey I've been working on this for five years and didn't tell you and it's totally crazy yeah. and you had no idea even though we hung out a bunch of times but then you know once it's out the deep compulsions to constantly talk about what I'm doing are able to come to the forefront, which is great. You know how that is for years. have like come up with projects and ideas we want to do. And then we just talk about them to death and never do them. That's the bigger thing of that. Yeah. And like, and then I see, you know, like sometimes people are posting the project they're working on as they're going because they want the instant gratification which I totally understand. But then they get that gratification and they're like, well, I already got the gratification. Why would I want to finish the project? I'll just go do something else. And it's like, and then it just sort of fizzles out. And I was kind of afraid of that, like losing momentum. Like we we needed this internal momentum because if it became external momentum, then it would just die somehow. Talk about the sequel. Hopefully I'll be in it. So The people watching
0: this or listening will be like, I got to doubly go see this because Ethan Minster, (laughs) that megastar from Infinite Spaghetti and the project Nerd Networks is now present and representing in
1: it. Google Doc where I've been transcribing what was originally a bunch of handwritten notes of uh, ideas that's now a 62 page small font Google document of just like pre-writing and just total that, that's gonna be
0: like that's how the script kind of forms
1: is like these scripts, yeah it's like, even. been like super organic every time but i i just like pulled it up to look at the date but yeah it says it's 2015 so the mythology that was hinted at in the first film is shown notebooks full of ideas uh before the film was the first film was even finished you know in the downtime when, when i was creatively had written the story but i was just putting together the nuts and bolts i was already thinking about the the sequel this
0: is more of like an alien slant right I don't think that's giving away too much
1: as we were making the movie I actually ended up going back in and adjusting some of the dialogue in the first film and putting in some little things that would seed what would happen in future films. There's a part during my speech at the end where it cuts to these graphics, dinosaurs and different images and stuff. And that's because my mouth wouldn't match what I was saying because I changed the dialogue, but it ended up kind of seeming like this nice, like stylistic visual flair, but it was really just there.
0: How many episodes is this going to be?
1: I'm committed to making five of these movies. Oh my God, five told the complete story that I want to tell. So no matter how it goes, you know, as long as I live long enough to do that and don't, have anything happen to me and i'll probably write in my will that my brother has to do it finish it if I, if i if i should die somehow in a freak accident
0: that's my daughter not the green screen hey come here <laughs> come here say hello. hello hello he says hi now get out. he says <laughs> get out of here
1: bye <laughs> My brother's friends with this guy Larry Hastings, who, he has a group called uh, the Rust Riders, where they're all into like Mad Max, Fallout style, like post-apocalyptic stuff. So they they build and weld things and like augment golf carts to make them death vehicles and make Raider armor and all this stuff. He actually, uh, he was like a finalist in the, uh, like that game Cyberpunk did like a cosplay Okay, competition yeah, you him out for that. Shh. Yeah, we've been talking to him. My brother was like asking him like, hey, would you ever be interested in doing a sci-fi movie? And he was like super into the idea. So hopefully that pans out since we're going to space a lot more in the next one. Sorry, Facebook page. Like kit bashing stuff lately. Since I'm a janitor, a lot lot of these YouTube tutorials on making DIY uh, sci-fi props and costumes are like, oh you just use a bunch of yogurt lids and broken electronics and stuff like that and then if you just hot glue them all to the same surface and paint it all the same color then you get this immediate early ILM like Death Star look to stuff, so yeah, much to the detriment of my home, I've just been filling my basement up with like used bottle caps and old TVs and VCRs that I've been unscrewing and taking the guts out of. I made this big one out of uh, plywood, but- So for the people
0: who are watching, Whammo is the company, the evil corporation that is the initiating force of why there are dinosaurs in a mining facility. Yeah, let's go up close to that.
1: You can kind of tell what things are if you look. If it were in a shot uh, in the background, it would just sort of all become this sort of textural backdrop. For everything. These capacitors make for a nice texture. And then if you were to like dry brush over top of that, it'd probably look better. There's two of these. First, I set it against the wall without reinforcing it. And then the other one started in the bow and uh, stuff started falling off of it. So there's some repairs that need to be done, but I've just been kind of experimenting with that stuff. This is just a lot of stuff that I literally took out of the trash. You can see the- that And that's going to be like a spaceship? The back are just like pill bottles. Ideally, I'll come up with a design that looks less like a train. It is kind of nice to take mundane earth things and take elements from those and put them into weird psychedelic space fantasy stuff. You have a
0: question from the audience. Would you ever consider having professional actors in in the sequel?
1: But uh, yeah, I'm definitely not opposed to having like you know, legitimate actors around working on stuff. There's something about an, an actor over react, overacting versus a non-actor underacting. The non-actor underacting just worked better for what I was trying to do this first time around. I was talking to another uh, friend of mine who's a director and telling him like that sort of concern and, and telling him that it would be hard for me to direct somebody and tell them they're doing too much. And he said, well, you know, if you just use a number system and say, you're at a 10, I need you to be at like a five. He's like, that's usually pretty easy for people to understand. You're at a five. Yeah. I need you at a 10! You're at a 4 right here! Bring it up to a 6! But yeah,
0: I mean, I'm gonna start doing that with my daughter. You're at a 3! You need to bring it down to a 0!
1: The big monologue, I was like, well, I'm gonna have to be the one to do that because I can't, in good conscience, ask a bunch of people that aren't actors to memorize this stuff. I'm not an actor, but I can ask myself to memorize it and go through that rolling process. Perfectly memorized, and then when we showed up on set and there's people standing around. And when I say on set, I mean in a field outside of someone else's house and with my brother and my friends there. But I had to ask them like, hey, can you guys just like walk away? Cause if you're looking at me, I'm gonna keep messing this up. <laughs> then I had to do a ton of takes and cop stuff together. But when I'm, I'm still outlining it, but I'm tweaking it all the time. But I'm, I'm writing it with uh, with no regard for what the budget's gonna be. And just being like, we'll figure it out. I don't know, I feel like if we're all really into what we're doing, the honesty is going to shine through, and hopefully that will overshadow any shortcomings that we have. If I'm going to make a movie and it's going to take five years, I have to live in it for five years, and I have to really believe in it and be obsessed with it and every single little uh, cut and, and all the minutiae of it, and it's just like important to me that believe in what I'm doing, not compromising the honesty of it thanks for watching and um keep an eye out on all of our social media on facebook and instagram mostly for future updates on the blu-ray do you have any questions or comments or anything or you just want to talk about movies and, or really anything i'm around do not hesitate i know like when i want to talk to somebody online i usually just don't do it because i'm like freaked out like well, i don't know if i have anything valid to say i don't know if i want to strike up a conversation well go ahead because uh, i love talking to everyone
0: And again, people, like, uh, if you like this, you want to be on the show or any of that stuff, find me on Instagram. I'll ignore you on Facebook. Find me on Instagram. Add me on Instagram. We'll be friends on Instagram. Add Jordan. Talk to Jordan. This is a whole thing going on. Thank you for watching Infinite Spaghetti. If you like the show, please share, comment, subscribe, rate, review. Shows like this only exist with the constant support of its viewing audience. For great cosplay content and amazing podcasts, head over to projectnerd.com. That's project-nerd.com.